This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. One of the challenges various healthcare stakeholders face is making decisions based on limited and lagging data about the changing landscape. Komodo Health has collected a broad range of real-world data that allows it to capture a comprehensive view of patients moving through the healthcare system, along with next-generation analytics, to derive meaningful insights and drive decisions that improve patient outcomes. The company recently announced that it had entered into an agreement with the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative's Rare is One network to provide software and analytic tools to help patient advocacy organizations in the network accelerate diagnoses, improve care, and advance research. We spoke to Webb Sun, co-founder and president of Komodo Health, about the company's platform technology, its potential to improve decision-making in the healthcare arena, and how members of CZI's Rare is One network will be able to leverage its real-world data and analytic tools. Webb, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Danny. We're going to talk about Komodo Health, what its data platform enables, and a recent agreement with the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative's Rare is One to leverage your data platform. Perhaps we can start with Komodo Health and what it does. As you think about the health data landscape today, what are the challenges that exist with the available data various stakeholders have access to and the delivery of this data to provide an accurate sense of the landscape and provide a a good basis for decision-making? Well, for starters, Danny, uh, Komodo Health's mission, our North Star, if you will, is to reduce disease burden. And so we've built our business. We operate it at the intersection between data and technology. And the way we deliver value to our partners is really largely through the way we've built our software solutions and through the partnerships that we've formed, including those with patient advocacy organizations like the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, also known as CZI. Now, when you think about <clears throat> Komodo Health and what it does, you know, let's start with healthcare. When we founded the company, you know, we made the observation that healthcare has always been incredibly siloed with every part of the ecosystem operating with its own narrow focus. Think about payers focusing on payer needs, life sciences companies focusing on life sciences company needs. Um, and every one of these entities and stakeholders using their own data, their own systems, you know, and when it comes to the data, what that's meant is that anyone looking for insights, anyone looking for patient level insights uh, was buying data piecemeal, often receiving it in the form of 
long spreadsheets full of claim claims codes, you know, CSV drops, and then manually sorting through that information, oftentimes with the help of uh, consultants to try to draw conclusions that would inform and shape strategy, research, and business decisions. Now, the underlying data itself has always been fraught with gaps, you know, lagginess, long lag times, all of which really limits the insight and never really gets to the heart of the patient journey. And this is particularly challenging for rare disease patients, you know, what the Rare is One initiative is focusing on, where the patient journey is oftentimes defined by what we call the diagnostic odyssey, where patients go from primary care physicians to specialists, back to primary care physicians to other specialists, where there's no clear diagnosis to be made or test or treatment to be administered. And so with all that being said, there's always been a massive need in the market for an alternative to that legacy data aggregator model and legacy approach to understanding disease and understanding patient journeys. And so at Komodo, we're continually investing in what we call the full stack thesis. We start with the healthcare map where we're consistently pulling from a variety of data sources and data types containing patient level insights, and then bringing that information together via our platform capabilities to enable internal and external um, solution engineers, and then really all the way through our enterprise workflow solutions. And so this full stack approach, this approach really reduces bias and gives us a much more uh, near real-time view of what's happening across the entirety of healthcare. Now, more importantly, this means we can see not just individual data points or encounters with the healthcare system, but we can actually see fully complete patient journeys for hundreds of millions of patients in a privacy-safe, fully compliant, de-identified manner, which means, going back to what I was just referencing around the diagnostic odyssey, we can meaningfully shorten that diagnostic odyssey to get the right patients, the right interventions at the right time. And this holds true even in, um, in, even in rare disease. Well, let's take a deeper dive on one of the concepts you just brought up, which is your healthcare map. This is kind of at the center of what Komodo does. Can you explain what the health map is, how it works? Absolutely. I'll start just by kind of reinforcing, you know, Komodo Health is a technology company. We were built on the premise that there must be a better way for our healthcare system to derive insights from the ever-growing availability of healthcare data. Now, we have a stated mission to reduce the burden of disease, and we set out to build our healthcare map, which is now the country's most connected and compliant view of longitudinal healthcare in the U.S. as the foundation for all the software that we uh, build and deploy to market. So if you think about the healthcare map itself, we are tracking the de-identified, anonymized, longitudinal patient journeys of just about every single person touching the healthcare system. And so we call it tracking census at this point. And, you know, there's always been this huge need in the market for an alternative to the legacy data aggregator, aggregator model, which never really gets to that heart of the patient journey. If, you're, if your methodology and approach to defining disease is centered around pill tracking and thinking about disease as market baskets of therapeutics, you're often going to be missing visits, missing encounters, and really only seeing snapshots of a patient's journey at a moment in time versus our desire to truly understand the entirety of each individual's patient journey. And so, you know, when we, what we observed was the industry has had this need for a data asset that really captures the vast volume of information that's being created every day, pulling from different, um, different entities, payer types, hospital systems, provider systems, um, bringing together medical and pharmacy claims, labs insight, lab insights, EMRs, to really provide that comprehensive insight into the breadth 
and true patient experience, what we refer to as full patient journeys for hundreds of millions of patients. And again, that's just the starting point where we bring together um, the underlying healthcare map, i.e. the data assets, uh, through our software and through our platform capabilities. And what is someone able to do with the healthcare map? That's great. <clears throat> so the healthcare map is the foundation for our platform app and applications. So the two ways to think about it are, I'll start with the platform. On the platform side, we think about it as companies interested in looking at any kinds of insights really centered around patient costs and outcomes. If you think about this current explosion that we're experiencing and observing in digital health, um, the, the explosion of healthcare IT innovators and providing and enabling them to leverage our healthcare map and platform capabilities, what we're doing is dramatically lowering the barrier for all of these entities to get started in terms of building and commercializing new applications, new capabilities for patients. And this is what we call being, quote unquote, built on Komodo. And this capability you know, allows our partners to leverage our nearly eight years of investment into you know, a truly uh, innovative and transformative technology stack that allows them to capitalize on the underlying data assets in our healthcare map all the way through to the platform and analytics APIs and built-in analytics modules that we've already embedded into our platform capabilities. And so, you know, this capability allows more digitally sophisticated or more cloud-native technologists that are capable of leveraging our tech stack and insights to get started on building and commercializing anything that they're interested around uh, exploring, whether it be patient-level insights or analytics, um, and driving those analytics against our underlying healthcare map. Now, in addition, we also have applications that we bring to market. And so if you think about it, life sciences companies use different combinations of our solution suite um, to quickly to address a whole wide range of use cases. Um, and, I, and I'll start with just a couple examples, you know, being able to uh, look at different patient cohorts and understand trends in diagnoses, trends in treatment pattern, um, changes in care interventions. All of these, you know, serve as example use cases of how life, client, uh, life sciences companies partner with us and the value they derive. In addition, if you think about it, clinical development teams use our platform and our software to improve patient recruitment for clinical trials um, by really being able to do everything from feasibility studies, you know, changing inclusion and exclusion criteria to assess what that does to, you know, patient enrollment um, and whether or not they'll be likely to be able to simply enroll a study on time. That's an example of, you know, value that our partners um, extract from working with Komodo and Obviously, CZI is the most recent example. Patient advocacy groups partner with Komodo to help find patients, find doctors across the entirety of the U.S. Um, who have experience and, more importantly, success managing, um, you know, oftentimes challenging conditions that are hard to identify, hard to diagnose, hard to treat. And, you know, as one last example, you know, digital marketing agencies and other kind of what we refer to as technology intermediaries, they partner with Komodo to optimize everything from patient and provider outreach um, through non-personal initiatives um, and through online efforts um, through, you know, their ability to leverage our healthcare map and accompanying uh, platform and software capabilities. And, you know, again, these are just a select subset of examples of how we're helping our partners across healthcare and life sciences um, and really don't even begin to scratch the surface of, you know, the breadth of the use cases that 
um, we address uh, with our partners. And are you able to overlay other data than healthcare data to gain insights and from what what you're analyzing? Absolutely. I think that's been one of the most exciting parts of this is we saw this uh, coming uh, explosion of data liquidity, data availability across a wide range of what we refer to as patient level features. And in our platform capability, what we've built in is the ability for first party uh, for entities with first-party data to essentially join it and backbone it with Komodo's healthcare map so that if you think about it, every entity that has some first-party data oftentimes only sees what they see. So if you're a small provider group, you know you see what happens to your patients when they enter the four walls of your clinic, and then when they go back into the community, you have no idea what's happening to them. If you're uh, an aggregator of social determinants of health, you see your member population and you understand you know, the social determinants of health associated with your member population, but you have no idea what's happening to them otherwise, clinically, medically, um, nor do you have uh, any understanding of what's happening to other patients outside of the member population that you are tracking. The way we've built our platform capability really allows entities with first-party data to bring their data into our platform, now have it in, in, essentially enriched with you know the entirety of the patient journey and all of these insights around patient costs and outcomes being appended to you know the initial first party data that uh, and insights that they're bringing into the platform uh, to begin with. Does that I, I th- absolutely? I, I think one of the frustrations in the rare disease landscape when it comes to data is the lack of IDC codes for for many of these conditions. How do you handle that in terms of? identify if I'm a patient organization looking to identify patients with a specific condition or physicians who treat, how is there a way around that without an IDC code? Great question. This is actually where longitudinality um, and our ability to track, you know, the fully complete patient journey really matters. Now, if you think about it, the healthcare map, because we have such a depth of data per patient, and because the data is brought together with all these other data assets, what we're able to do is go in and build and define patient cohorts, even when a reliable ICD uh, code doesn't exist for that disease in question. I'll give you an example. In hereditary amyloidosis, a rare, a rare disease, um, there's only a couple thousand patients in the U.S. every year, um, and so the epidemiology is, you know, very, very. Um, there's very few patients, and so the beauty of this is, if you think about that diagnostic odyssey that I was referring to earlier, these patients oftentimes don't get confirmatory diagnoses, confirmatory labs until, on average, I believe it was five to seven years into that diagnostic odyssey. Why is that? When you look at it, you see they initially present to a PCP who isn't familiar with HTTR, hereditary amyloidosis. And so what's happening to these patients is they're being, they're seeing this constellation of symptomology, you know, this constellation of comorbidities that's evolving over time. So the PCP will refer that patient to a cardiologist who will then send, and who's only, by the way, looking at cardiovascular comorbidities, and then will send that patient back to the PCP. Now, a couple months later, that patient's being referred off to a nephrologist who's really focused on endocrinology-related disorders and not really thinking about the bigger picture. That patient then comes back to the PCP. And this happens over that the entirety of that five to seven-year window before someone looks at it and hopefully eventually says, 
you know, I should probably test this patient for HTTR. Now, what we did was we were able to take patients that had received confirmatory diagnoses of HTTR. We reverse engineered what that diagnostic odyssey looked like over five to seven year, over that five to seven year window. We identified the constellation of comorbidities that they were originally presenting with. And what we did was twofold. Number one, we identified patients that fit the profile of a patient likely to receive a confirmatory diagnosis years down the line. And then number two, we identified who were seeing those patients, where they were presenting, who was managing them. And through partnership um, with a number of different stakeholders, what we were able to do was drive massive awareness and medical education initiatives around HTTR to meaningfully improve testing much earlier in that diagnostic odyssey. And, you know, as you can imagine, um, in situations like this, this can have a material impact on a patient's outcomes, you know, everything from life expectancy to better quality of life, um, you know, and, and it's been very exciting to see that come to life. As a patient touches the various stakeholders within the healthcare landscape that collect data, is there a, a unique identifier that tracks them through all those different aspects? Or is there something you have to do in your system to identify one patient through different pieces of their journey? Yeah, great question. And that's really where, you know, the power of technology and the intersection of data and software really comes to life because, you know, compliance and privacy is at the forefront of all the work that we do. If you think about what I uh, referenced up front at the beginning of the call, the entirety of our healthcare map is de-identified and anonymized and tokenized. So all of those 340 plus million patients that we're tracking on an ongoing basis across every touchpoint and encounter with the healthcare system, every one of those patients is de-identified, anonymized, and tokenized. And so as we are tracking them, the beauty of it is as we're bringing in more and more different sources, different types of data, different types of features on those respective patients, the platform itself is algorithmically linking the data and also maintaining our cert so that we are uh, managing risk of re-identification, which is, as you would imagine, even more important when we're talking about uh, conditions like rare disease uh, conditions. And from a, uh, an end user point of view, how sophisticated does someone have to be to really get value out of what you've done here? It, it, you, you mentioned you have apps. Are these kind of pre-programmed reports they can generate? Are they kind of check off the box of yeah. the data you want what's what's the approach or do you need to be have mastery of a programming language that's great um that's a great question i will say we've designed our entire technology stack with different audiences in mind and so to your exact point we have user personas and end customers that want the easy button right they've literally said to us i don't really need to know what's in the black box i just need you to push a recommendation to me or push an action um, that you're advising to, you know, a specific part of my team. And that's all I'm really looking for, right? So that's one audience. Another set of user personas is really centered around, I have very predictable questions that I need to answer in my day-to-day. -day. It's part of my everyday workflow. And so, you know, the software that we build for these end customers is also more on the, in the lines of what we call, you know, consumer-friendly, easy-to-engage insights workflow solutions. Now, to your point, what we've seen in healthcare 
um, is really an explosion of investment in healthcare data scientists, healthcare data engineers, as more and more people realize the transformation that's needed in order for us to innovate across healthcare, you know, more and more large healthcare entities are investing in those in-house capabilities. For those more technology um, sophisticated, more, you know, cloud native, digitally uh, sophisticated, data sophisticated um, audiences, we deploy our platform capabilities where they can essentially access all of the features and insights in our healthcare map and do everything from leveraging our built-in analytics modules uh, as a starting point for them to then iterate on, for them to build bespoke visualizations, bespoke predictive analytics and apply them against our healthcare map. These are all two different types of audiences that we've essentially um, engineered our software for. And what's the business model? Is this a subscription service? Do you sell the data? Do people buy the product? Yeah, great question. We've built software atop our healthcare map that allows users to unearth insights from that data to help them do everything from spot gaps in care, address unmet patient needs, improve physician engagement, uh, drive more strategic kind of day-to-day business decisions. We commercialize that software via kind of standard business-to-business software as a service, i.e. SaaS subscription models. And so we have partners that license our solutions or license our platform on subscriptions ranging anywhere from 12 to 60 months. And really to that earlier comment um, that we were just discussing, you know, with software and platform capabilities that can be deployed to different user personas. And so we actually work with clients across uh, nearly a dozen market segments. So if you think about it, you can think about patient advocacy as what we would define as a market segment, risk-bearing entities as a market segment, clinical research organizations as a market segment. Uh, within pharma, an individual segment would be health, health economics and outcomes research. Every one of these represents an individual segment um, and one of about 12 different segments that we operate in today to reduce disease burden. Now, examples of that include you know, Janssen R&D, um, we partner with them to accelerate uh, clinical development using real-world data. Uh, our partners at Picnic Health um, work with us to deploy solutions and real-world evidence programs for complex illnesses like MS and hemophilia. Our partners on the digital side at Click Health, you know, they license solutions called Sentinel and Prism um, to drive insights for highly targeted um, digital healthcare marketing programs. And then obviously all of the excitement um, and work that we do across patient advocacy. At the top, we <laughs> talked about the fact that we're here to discuss the recent announcement about what you're doing with Chan Zuckerberg and the Rares One initiative. Walk me through that agreement. What exactly are you providing those organizations? Wonderful. First off, I just wanted to say we're incredibly grateful to the Chan Zuckerberg initiative for their willingness to you know, do something different, do something innovative um, in an effort to help patients, um, particularly rare, rare disease patients uh, via their Rare as One network. So the agreement and the partnership that we formed with CZI, Chan Zuckerberg, um, and their Rare as One network provides all members of the Rare as One network access to our healthcare map and our software. These Rare as One CZI grantees we'll be able to more quickly surface insights from our healthcare map on very specific, narrow, rare disease populations to understand everything from nuances and disease patterns and care trends. And, and, you know, an example of what that might look like is you think about disease research. With going back to that hereditary amyloidosis 
um, example or case study that I highlighted with you with longitudinal data that shows complete patient journeys, our software will empower um, researchers and these specific uh, patient advocacy groups to find new symptom patterns that can be used to dramatically shorten time to diagnosis. Um, and given the challenges of getting an accurate di diagnosis as a rare disease patient, this could give patients back years or even decades of their life um, with an opportunity to meaningfully improve patient outcomes. In addition, if you think about it from a trial planning and physician outreach point of view, um, these partners will now be able to quickly surface insights on their specific patient populations to identify the providers um, and healthcare organizations most likely to see and have to manage those rare disease patients of interest. And from there, these same patient advocacy organizations will be empowered to plan trial sites for effective recruiting or outreach and medical education strategies uh, to best engage rare disease patients and their providers much earlier in what's often a complicated, prolonged di diagnostic odyssey. And the one last point I did want to make is, you know, this partnership really allows us to capitalize on the fact that Komodo works across a number of discrete market segments that we are able to bring together. Now, when you operate your business at the intersection of life sciences, clinical research organizations, patient advocacy organizations, you're really uniquely positioned to connect patients with innovative trials and potentially life-saving novel therapeutics. One of the costly and time-consuming things that are so critical for really advancing research is putting together a natural history study. Mm -hmm. You've got all this historic data. Can, can this serve to replace that? Can it put out that kind of detailed patient histories and, and provide a, a natural history of, of sorts? Yeah, that's a great question. That's actually a use case that we are in the process of exploring with a number of our different partners that operate in uh, different discrete market segments, because that's always been the holy grail. Right. If you the way to short circuit challenges around enrolling patients is really to be able to leverage the data itself to create patient cohorts, to create uh, synthetic control arms, to create, you know, the understanding of what the, what um, how that population would behave and respond to different uh, interventions. And so that is something that we're exploring in great detail um, through a number of our uh, existing partners. And there's also a lot of talk about the need for regulatory grade data. Any sense on how FDA might look at the quality of the data that you're able to put together? And, you know, would you be able to construct a synthetic arm for a clinical trial with this? I am very excited um, that we have some um, some things in the works that will be announced in very short order that will speak to exciting developments on this front that uh, Komodo has invested in very aggressively. And so I would be on the lookout for everything from publications all the way through to, um, you know, uh, co-authored um, PR uh, with our partners. And is this uh, an economic arrangement with CZI? Is this something that you're doing as a charitable initiative? What's the relationship in that regard? From my vantage point as a co-founder, you know, I've really been struck meeting with so many patient advocacy leaders um, across a wide range of disease areas, excuse me, by how personal this mission is for them. And oftentimes by how little experience and expertise uh, so many of them have in navigating healthcare, navigating the healthcare ecosystem, 
as well as how little support and how little funding they've oftentimes received. Um, and it really speaks to how uniquely positioned Komodo is to support them and their patients across a wide range of use cases, ranging from shortening the diagnostic odyssey um, all the way to connecting them to potentially life-saving clinical trials. Now, we have we at Komodo, we've done extensive work in rare disease, both with patient advocacy organizations and across life sciences, and it really comes back to our mission to reduce the burden of disease. We do not generate profits off our patient advocacy segment, um, and we're still incredibly excited to support these partners because of how mission-aligned these relationships are for Komodo. So while there, I imagine, new ways that these groups will discover on how to use this data to answer questions that you may not even have contemplated yet, um, I thought we could just run through a few examples of how you would expect them to use this data and, and what the results would be. Um, start by explaining how, how they would use it to identify patient cohorts? Absolutely. We have a solution called PRISM, um, which was engineered from the ground up to address this exact use case. Now, via PRISM, end users uh, have this, and it's really exciting for us because you, going back to your earlier comment, you don't have to be a clinician. You don't have to be an informaticist. You don't have to be a data scientist to use PRISM. And PRISM is a, an offering that provides end users with the ability to very quickly and dynamically create personalized patient cohorts of interest across a whole wide range of, uh, of features that we have on these respective patients in our healthcare map. And that capability is paired with what we call reporting studio. And so what that allows us to do is, you know, change different level, different patient type, different patient features in order to, to dynamically create a custom cohort and then see what that looks like in terms of everything from epidemiology to, you know, where those patients present to how those patients are flowing through the system to what that patient journey looks like. All of that is visible, knowable in app and end users are able to dynamically kind of adjust that cohort definition, that disease definition on the fly and see all of those, um, all of those insights around those specific patients. And so as an example, you know, this approach, our software allowed another partner to connect patients with a rare liver cancer. This was our partnership with the Cholangiocarcinoma Foundation uh, to multidisciplinary specialist providers and to really identify referral patterns and diagnosis codes as patients traversed the healthcare system and navigated across community oncologists and the specialists practicing in the top tier academic medical centers. This allowed um, the Carcinoma Foundation to deploy a nationwide database of specialists with systems and programs specifically designed to proactively identify and address gaps in care for, for these specific patients. It's really powerful. It's really exciting. And going back to my original point, you don't have to be a data scientist or an informaticist in order to get to that level of insight. Another way groups are expected to use this is to understand the diagnostic odyssey how how will this help enable that understanding? Oh, uh, actually, it's very, very um, easy for end users to see these insights because within that PRISM software solution, um, after you've created that patient cohort, it shows you the entire patient odyssey, uh, diagnostic odyssey for those patients. And so you can actually see for this cohort that you've created, what 
um, what they've experienced longitudinally over a given time window that you get to define. So you can say, I want to see what's happened to this patient cohort in the last you know, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, et cetera. So one, one of the things I think we, we often hear about is the, the rare disease patient odyssey and what it is in terms of times. But often those numbers come from very small studies uh, and, and really surveys of patients. I'm wondering, could you use your system to get a, a more accurate figure on what it takes to get a rare disease diagnosis? Absolutely. And this is where, you know, whether you're looking at the HTTR example um, or whether you're just looking at, you know, the underlying insights in our healthcare map, the beauty of this is we've always believed that patient reported outcomes, you know, self-reported outcomes, these are a very important part of the patient experience. And that experience can be, you know, joined with the actual data. Um, and we've proven that out with some of our existing partnerships where, you know, going back to the original example, there are companies out there that have member populations and they're constantly surveying them and being able to backbone patient self-reported outcomes with what's actually happening to those patients um, as they traverse the healthcare system and go through their respective diagnostic odysseys. That's incredibly powerful and illuminating for, for um, you know, the partners doing that kind of work. I think one of the other key uses for this that you would expect groups to do is connect with healthcare providers and researchers. I wonder if you could just explain that. Yeah, no question. I think the the exciting thing here is within our healthcare map, we stitch together on an ongoing basis all of the entities. Um, so all of the entities within our healthcare map are interconnected. Patients are connected to all the different providers. All the different providers are connected to all the different settings of care that they operate in, all ranging from, you know, your PCP that's working in a strip mall all the way through to, you know, your top academic centers. Those provider systems are connected to payers. Payers are connected to, you know, other entities. And so the beauty of this is it really gives you a dynamic, living, breathing understanding of, you know, all the different actors that are um, working in concert to serve the needs of those respective patients. And ultimately, what do you hope comes out of this relationship with CZI? And, and what do you think this will do to demonstrate the, the value of the platform to rare disease patient advocates? Yeah, my ultimate hope is we can help put breakthroughs into the hands of rare disease patients faster. You know, the rare disease space, the diagnostic odyssey that so many patients suffer through is really just, it's ripe for advancements with the advent of deeper, more nuanced views into the patient journey, coupled with software and advanced analytics. And, and you know, when you think about it, we've talked about this a bit today, you know, traditionally rare diseases have been notoriously challenging to identify. By some estimates, patients in the U.S. spend roughly six years and 7.3 different providers on average before their disease is correctly identified and diagnosed. Now, rare diseases tend to follow a similar pattern where patients present with that wide range of symptoms that don't fit neatly into a single box or a single code. And researching these diseases is complicated by the challenges of everything from what you just referred to, very small patient populations, um, and the need to address this challenge of limited and siloed and small uh, data sets um, alongside variability in clinical definitions, procedures, uh, geographic challenges, barriers to patient recruitment and identification. And, you know, as a result, these rare disease patients just end up bouncing from provider to provider, um, racking up costs and not really addressing the real problem. And we believe that the collaboration between 
um, advanced uh, technology partners and patient advocacy groups will be a game changer for reducing the burden of rare disease and unlocking the types of insights needed to drive meaningful change for these patients, their providers, and their caregivers. And that's my sincere hope as we um, as we get moving on this partnership. Webb Sung, co-founder and president of Komodo Health. Webb, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Danny. Appreciate the time and the opportunity. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.